Before we get to our text this morning, as we sang those songs, we sang the words, all hail King Jesus. Um, we sang the Psalm 34, which is in a sense a prayer of the psalmist that, that our lives and our hope is that we would magnify Christ in that. Um, I just was impressed by my own heart, just felt this conviction that so often what gets in the way of that is that we do not keep Christ as Lord. His rule and reign as King is so easily forgotten. In our day-to-day lives, we begin to go throughout our lives and go throughout whatever comes in front of us. And tomorrow we're gonna face something this afternoon perhaps, and just how quickly we forget, how quickly it's lost on us, who is King. And so I just wanna invite us just to spend a few moments um, just confessing that to God right now. Would you just bow your heads with me? Would you just confess with me that King Jesus, too often I've allowed my heart, my, I've decided who is going to rule over my life. Just give that to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we do magnify your name. It's our desire as individuals and as a church, as a people called City Church, that we would magnify your name. And the truth is that you are king. You are sovereign over all things. So I just confess and ask for your forgiveness we confess corporately and ask that you would forgive us for forgetting who is king and too often putting ourselves and our own desires, our own interests, whatever those things might be, ahead of you as ruler, as authority in our life. Even now, Holy Spirit, would you allow these prayers, this confession and the grace that we receive from a kind and merciful God as he does not condemn us for that but receives us redeems us and restores us, would, um, would you help us to be a people, Jesus, who live lives submitted to the one true King, King Jesus. And as we do that, would you magnify yourself in our hearts, through our lives, as we witness, as we go throughout our day, even this week, I thank you that you are Lord. I thank you that you are King. Holy Spirit, help me, help us to live in submission to that truth every day of our life. I pray these things in Christ's name, amen. It's good to run to Jesus. It's good to confess when we've drifted off. And so often we have. Um, If you're a guest with us, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, um, and we are studying the book of Acts. Um, We're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. If you want to open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 13, 
And as we look at this text, we are going to see uh, the rule and the reign of Christ in the establishment and the work of his church. And it's a great reminder to us as a local church today of the history of the church, what we've seen in the past as God has been moving and, 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 and leading his church and building up his church, moving forward to today as an encouragement that he's still at work the same as we've said over and over again as we've studied this book. The Holy Spirit that was at work here in the book of Acts, establishing the church and transitioning the church from uh, the, the time of Christ uh, walking on the earth to the establishment of his church where his body is at work in the life of the people of the world. And now continuing forward, the hope that we have for our future All of this is found in this book. And as we look closely at chapter 13, we're going to see in just a few verses the work of the church. If you've been with us for a few weeks, we're going to return back to the city of Antioch. Last week in Acts chapter 12, we were looking at uh, the church in Jerusalem. The the story that Luke records for us had sort of bounced back and forth. We'd been in Antioch in chapter 11. And at the end of chapter 11, it said of Saul and Barnabas that they're sent on a mission to go and serve the church in Jerusalem. There had been a prophecy that there would be a great famine in Jerusalem. There'd be a a lot of challenges. And so the church in Antioch, this great church, a new church, the first place where Christians were referred to by Jesus' name as Christians, this church sends help down to Jerusalem by the, by the, through the means of Saul and Barnabas. And so they send them. And as we came to the end of Acts chapter 12 last week, after seeing James beheaded by Herod and the persecution that was occurring in the church in Jerusalem, God's care for the church, his provision in preserving Peter's life so that he could continue the ministry that he's given at the very end of chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, and Barnabas and Saul, who'd come down to Jerusalem as part of that Antioch mission, returned. It says they uh, uh, returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service. And they brought with them this time back to Antioch, Antioch John, whose other name was Mark. And so in chapter 13, we're going to open up and see the church in Antioch. And through this church in Antioch, we're going to see how the church is living on mission for God and living in complete submission to God. A church that is gifted by God to do work, leaders that are gifted by God, leaders that are set apart by God, and then leaders that are sent by God. And in all of this, again, my hope is that we might gain a deeper appreciation for Christ and the building up of the church here locally, and also see what he is doing and continue on in the life of this local church, our own church called City Church. So if you are able, would you please stand as I read just a short section from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were sent down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word again. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name and to study it. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak through this as we look at what might seem like some mere facts of a local church. Will we see you at work? Will we see how you are at work? And may we be encouraged and strengthened even today in this local body to continue the work that you have given to us. pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So Luke, in this chapter, records for us 
some details about the church at Antioch. Again, we heard a little bit about the church in Antioch previously. Here we get more details about the church, who was leading the church. And it says there in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And then it lists these five men, Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius, and Manaean, and Saul. And so we have these leaders of the church And in Antioch, they are being used by God to accomplish his purpose. One of the first things that we can know about this is we know how God is at work building his church. And what we will see as we continue this text is these men were gifted by God. See, they weren't just put in place over this church in Antioch. And they weren't just put in place in any church. They were put in place in this specific church for a specific purpose that we're going to see unfold as we read a few verses later. But they were gifted by God. They were built up and strengthened by God. Their stories matter. Their past and all the things that God had done in their lives before had led them to this point. This was a diverse group of men. God knew the work that he would call them to do, and he had gifted them and prepared them for that work. We've talked so often as we've studied the book of Acts, there are things that we get engaged in, there are things in our lives that we're going to press into the work that God's called us to, witnessing to a neighbor, sharing something with a coworker, whatever that might be. And all of, every single time, almost every single time, you're going to look back and you can see how God was at work preparing you for that very moment. In the moment, you kind of sort of press in, and a lot of times, if you're like me, we step in with a little bit of trepidation. We're a little bit unsure. We're a little bit anxious. Is, am I going to be able to do this? Is, this? is this going to work? And then we see as we step in how God has prepared us. Well, in the same way, these leaders of the church had been prepared. They were a diverse group. We notice there, again, we have Saul and Barnabas, of course. But then there's also listed Simeon, who was called Niger. Simeon, with the last name, Niger, is Latin for black. And so he is a black man that is leading the church. We see Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is in northern Africa and more than likely another African who is leading the church. Menean, who was raised up, he was raised with Herod. Not Herod, by the way, from Acts chapter 11, but the previous Herod, Herod Antipas. He was raised with him and so he came from a wealthy class and he came up in a way that he would have experienced life circumstances differently than many of the rest. Then we have Saul, Saul the Jew of Jews, the one who had, he, he knew all of the law. He knew the word of God and set apart by God in a miraculous way on the road to Damascus. And then, of course, Barnabas, the great teacher and the encourager. So we see this diverse group of men all gifted by God to lead and care for the church in Antioch. These gifts were being used by God to build up the church. My wife, I don't know if anybody else is like this, my wife loves the crown, and so we watch The Crown periodically, and there's uh, um, the, the opening sequence. I love The Crown. I like it for the music a lot. I just love the, the sequence there. But in the opening sequence, some of you have seen this, but there's just blackness. And out of the blackness, you see gold. You see the color gold, and it, feels, it seems as if it's liquid, and it's just sort of moving. And, and you don't know exactly what's happening. You just see gold moving on the screen and weaving its way. And then ultimately, as a few moments pass, that gold, as it's being woven together, and it uh, sort of begins to transition from liquid form to solid form, you see that it is being shaped into the crown that will rest on the monarch's head. In the same way, God is orchestrating and using our stories and giftings, and he's weaving things together so that we may be built up, as Paul would say in the book of Ephesus, into Christ, who is the head. He is shaping us, and we don't always know how he's doing that. We don't always, uh, we're not always fully aware of all the circumstances that he's using, but he is at work doing that. 
Paul explained this to the church in Ephesus, and as he teaches in in Ephesians chapter 4, explaining what he was doing and how he led the church and how God has called and built up the church, I have to imagine that as he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus and talks about the local church, he has in mind many lessons that he learned here in Antioch. As he saw God weave together this group of men to lead the church and then set men apart for specific leadership and then sending them out. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4. I'll pick up in verse 4. This is Paul speaking to this church, describing his calling and the calling that he has for them. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Paul always refers to himself as a servant, a prisoner, someone who is completely yielded to that idea of him being king, by the way. A prisoner for the Lord. Urge you, you church, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I'm sure he learned that bearing with one another from Barnabas, by the way that eagerness to bear in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so Paul opens up and he says that all of this, this work that God has been doing in shaping his church, that it is, it is, it is a unified work. There is only one God. So often, especially in our American context, how many churches are there on the planet? How many churches specifically here in Collin County, all of these things, but we must remember that we are all a part of one body testifying to one kingdom, one faith, one baptism. Christian churches, that is what we are doing. And so we see that work and there's this unity that Paul is expressing. And he does that because while he says there is great unity and there is great oneness in the purpose and the mission of God through the local church, he uses a great diversity. And so he says, there's all this oneness, verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And he's about to show how, while there is great oneness, and there is a oneness of purpose and mission, there is a diversity in the gifting and the abilities and the way God has built up the people of God to accomplish that oneness. Skip down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You hear us say one of the values here at City Church is it's not about me. It's about the kingdom. It's about this purpose. The other value that we often talk about is everyone has a ministry. Every single one of us has a calling, and we have each been gifted in specific ways to serve in that ministry. You may feel like, hey, I'm not a teacher of the word. I couldn't stand up there and do what you do, Ryan, and that's okay. That's great. There's nothing more significant about my role in the gifting and the teaching that I am called to do than the role that you may be called to serve. We are one body given unique gifts for the building up. Notice, again, the key phrase there is not the diversity of gifts. It's being used for the building up of the body. So that the body would be strengthened, that the church would be strengthened. We see this strength in Antioch in Acts chapter 13. We see the faith of this church in the way that they live their lives, as we're going to get to in a few moments. All of this was because they were using their gifts and being built up into the head. Why is this important? Why does Paul care about this? Why does God's word teach us this? Why should we be thoughtful and mindful about what God is doing in the local church? Well, look at 13. We need to be strengthened. We need to be built up into Christ until we all attain that unity, that oneness of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we won't be tossed to and fro. 
Paul says that the church is given to us. We have this unity in the oneness of the mission and the purpose of God. We have a diverse group of gifts that are given to the church in order to accomplish that so that we're not tossed to and fro. I don't have to tell any single one of us. I don't believe. Maybe a few young people, you haven't experienced this yet, but there's a lot of ideas out there in the world. Anybody experienced that? A lot of thoughts about what is right and what is wrong. There's all sorts of things that people believe in. There's all sorts of teams that people root for. There's all sorts of just craziness in the world, all right? Some of y'all missed that. I went too fast. That's okay. Catch up. So, no, the the, the idea is that the church would not be tossed to and fro by all the crazy ideas of the world. That we would be rooted and strengthened and built up into Christ, the word of God. That's what matters. It's not about what I think. It's not about we say this all the time. It's not about what another pastor or some other guy has an idea about. It is what God says. It's about his church, the unity of the faith, that we would be strengthened in that. Fight clubs that Pastor Adam alluded to is about strengthening this body. That we would strengthen one another as we sit and devote ourselves and commit ourselves to opening up God's word. How often in your life do you sit and study God's word with other believers? More than likely, just based on our schedules and our calendars, there's so many other things that we're involved in and we isolate maybe to Sunday morning. And we hope that there'll be other involvement and other engagement in that, but we must be rooted in God's word. And so Paul, thinking perhaps in some way of his experience and what he saw happen in the church in Antioch, is telling the church in Ephesus, there are going to be many gifts and you need to use those gifts for the building up of the body so that the body would be strengthened, the church would be strengthened, and it would not be tossed about by all the ideas of man that exist out there in the world. Do we need that today? More than ever. More than ever, we need that. This group of diverse leaders were used by God to strengthen the church because they had been gifted by God for that service. Then it says that these group of leaders, they took some time to seek the Lord, and as they sought the Lord, there were two who were set apart. Look back at Acts chapter 13 with me. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Set apart these two men for the work that I have called them to, the work that I have given them to do. This is God speaking. As the church, by the way, in the means of this happening, which is a beautiful just reminder to us as a church, the church is worshiping and fasting. We've lost so much the uh, idea. It's, it's, it's a discipline that we've too quickly have forgotten about in the church here in our modern days. But the idea of fasting, fasting is denying yourself of the things of the world so that you could seek the face of God just diligently and you wouldn't be distracted from those things. And even as you're distracted by perhaps your hunger or those things, it would remind you that, as Jesus said, we don't live on bread alone. We live on the word of God to seek after the Lord. And so these men, these leaders of the church are, have devoted themselves to seeking God's face, to worshiping God to asking him what they have for his church. And as they are worshiping and seeking God, God speaks and he says, I have a purpose for these two, Barnabas and Saul. And so I'm going to set them apart. First Peter 2 in verses 4 and 5 and then in 9 and 10 talks about the reality that as believers, we are a people set apart. We are living stones, it says, rejected by men there in verse 4. And if you skip down to verse 9, we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own, not our own, for his own possession, 
that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into light. We have been set apart to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. That is, every single Christian has been set apart by God for that purpose. That is your purpose in life. There's a lot of teachers out there in the world that love to tell you about your purpose and the will of God, and they love to sell you on some fancy ideas of wealth and prosperity and all those sorts of things. Right there in God's word is your purpose, to proclaim the excellencies of Christ who called you out of darkness into light. And there is nothing more valuable to a dark world than people who understand what it is to be the light of the world. That's who we are called to be. That's the will of God for your life. And as we proclaim those excellencies, we have been set apart. Well, within the local church, this church here in Antioch, there are two that are set apart specifically for a purpose of God, set apart for the work to which I have called them. They had been gifted by God. And now they were set apart to go and be sent by God to do new work. As I think about our elder team, that is the office of leadership in the local church within the New Testament. You sometimes hear us use this phrase, elder and pastor, interchangeably. But I'll just tell you one of the things that I'm most thankful to God for is to serve as part of a team of elders. I, as one of them, who diligently seek after God who desire to see his name made famous here in the earth. Not our name, not our brand, nothing about us, but we want to see Christ's name magnified. And there is a a, a diligence and a heartfelt desire by these men that I get to serve with to seek God in this way. And as we seek God, we've been blessed to hear from him in so many different ways. I don't have time this morning to unfold all of those for you, but as we've made decisions and tried to care and lead this church, I can tell you and just hear from me, just trust me, I hope that you would believe this, that every single man in in, in leadership in this church has sought the face of God as we have tried to discern what is best for this local church. Well, these men were set apart by God, and then as it says, they were sent by God. Look at verses four and five. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Notice that Luke says they weren't just sent out by the other leaders of the church. It wasn't just they were sent out by the church in Antioch. No, they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Another reminder, gifted by God, set apart by God for this specific work and then sent by God to go and do these things. They were sent for the work that God had called them to do. They weren't living out their own desires. Saul and Barnabas, it doesn't say Saul and Barnabas had kind of a little bit of a powwow. They thought to themselves, you know what? What if we kind of went down to Seleucia? That sounds like a good idea. They've got some nice winters there. No, they weren't thinking of their own desires. It wasn't trying to figure out what they wanted to do. They were seeking the face of God. And then God sent them. And it says that he sent them to proclaim, again, proclaim the excellencies of him who called them. This is the work of the church One of the things I love about this is it's a reminder of how God works. The church in Antioch was living out the mission and purpose of God, it seems, very beautifully. There's clear evidence of faith in God at this church. And one of the ways that we see this is that they're willing to send out Saul and Barnabas. Do you know that Saul and Barnabas were the best of those leaders? They had the most history in terms of teaching and giftedness and experience in mission. And they're called by God. It says, hey, we need you to send two of your very best. And so this church is willing to send out their very best. Why? It expresses a great confidence that the church, this isn't their church. It isn't about their work. They're not responsible to manufacture anything if they just simply are obedient to God's calling on their life. 
You've heard us talk about here at City Church, church planting. We're a church plant. If you're a guest with us, we've been around for about 10 years. I always like to say we kind of look like we're full grown because we got a property and all these sorts of things, but we're still only 10 years old. We'll throw tantrums every now and again. We're going to disappoint you every now and again. Just things are not always going to be great here, all right? But the reality is that God has blessed this church, and there's so much beauty in this church And one of the things that we've talked about is planting more churches so that we would be faithful to this calling to multiply. At the same time, I can just tell you that as we've strived to seek out the will of God for this church and planting this church, there are things that we haven't seen God's answer yet. There are still questions that we don't know the answers to. And so as an elder team and as leaders in the church, guess what we're doing? We're just continuing to pray and seek God and ask for his help. And so this is what we will do. We'll continue to seek God And trust that he will send out who he intends to send out, where he intends to send them. And we're going to just keep pursuing God as he does that. Finally, this isn't just an exercise to look and praise the church in Antioch. But it's a reminder, as I said, for what God is doing here. I'm so thankful that we see God at work. As we look at the church in Antioch, we see a diverse group of leaders. We see a focus on mission. We see the reality that God is at work. And as I look at City Church today, I see a diversity in, in leaders. I see a diversity in our demographics. I see a diversity in the purpose. And yet I see tremendous unity in the mission and the purpose that God has called us to. We are laser focused on being who God has called us to be. I don't want to presume on God. And that's not trying to pat ourselves on the back. I'm just saying we praise God that the, for that being the truth of this church. And as we continue to grow and multiply, as we have, we are running out of seats and all that we've talked about. If you haven't been with us for a long time, we talk about this on a regular basis. God just is exploding us and we're doing, seeing him do great things. We've called new leaders. I shared with you a few weeks ago that there are four men who as after many months, in fact, over a year's worth of time and prayer and seeking God, our elders have said, we need to invite these men to serve as elders with us. And so next weekend, we'll have the opportunity not only to celebrate baptism, where we celebrate new life in Christ, we're going to celebrate the faithfulness of God to us in the church as he's raised up leaders from within our body and set them apart to serve with us as elders. We're going to install new elders next weekend. I encourage you, don't miss. You might want to come to the 8 o'clock, but that'd be great. Anywhere you want to be is fine. Um, But it's going to be a beautiful day. The other office of the church that we sometimes don't talk about as often, but we we see it here in the way that God has called and equipped is the office of the deacon. I've taught on that in the past, and sometimes you may have asked that question. I hear about elders, but what about deacons? Well, in the New Testament, if you go back to our study a few, probably months ago now, early in the book of Acts, we saw those seven set apart and given a specific task, a role to play within the local church. That role, they were called deacons. They were called servants of the table. And so Stephen and Philip and those were set apart. In the same way, we have ministers here at City Church that are in the office of the deacon. And so we're going to pray over them. It's one of the things that we've recognized as an elder team. We need to let you know who those people are more regularly so you know who can help you, who can encourage you in specific areas of service. And so you're gonna see those people also next weekend as we get to pray over them. As I think about this and just all of the various giftings of James and Justin and Don and Gordy, those who are elder candidates. I think about the way that Lane cares for us and leads our prayer team and the care of others. I think about how Paul welcomes us and every single one of you has a Paul story of somehow being welcomed to this church. I think of Caleb and Jessica who've been specifically gifted and equipped to teach students and kids. In all of these ways, God has built up this church with specific areas of gifting to strengthen us into a unified body who can live on mission to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. As I think about all of this work, I'm reminded again of the promise of Christ that he will build his church 
and nothing will stand against it. And that promise started, and the, pur- the, the purchase of that promise started on the cross, which is why we're going to receive communion this morning, where we can remember what Jesus has done for us and remember that the work that we have been called to do is all about proclaiming that cross, proclaiming the finished work of Jesus, a broken body, a shed blood for the sins of the world. And he's called his church to proclaim that. And so we get to do that as we celebrate communion this morning. The worship team is going to come and lead us. And as they come and prepare, I just want to give you a few instructions on how we uh, receive communion. And just an invitation really to begin with. I want to invite you just as we begin to give thanks to God for the local church. You may be a guest here at City Church, and so you're not ready to give thanks for this local expression of the church, but you have experienced, I hope, the gifting of the church, the blessing of being a part of a church, whether it's this church or a church previously. Would you just thank God as we become to his table for what he has done for the building up of the church? I also want to invite you, as we began our service, to confess your sins before God. The the, the scriptures tell us, We shouldn't come to the table before we remember what Christ has done on our behalf, that purchase that he made for us. And so I don't know, I can't know the shame, the frustration, whatever you may feel, but friend, can I just tell you that whatever it is that you're carrying, that Jesus Christ paid for it on the cross once and for all. So would you reflect on that? Would you lay that burden down? Would you stop trying to atone for your own sins because you can't? And I say that with a smile because that's God's grace. You don't have to try. Stop trying. Receive from the mercy and the grace of Christ today. Finally, if you're not sure who Jesus is, Christians come to the table to remember what Christ has done for us. That's why we come. And so if you're not a believer today, we're so glad you're here. But I'd invite you to just sit in your seat as the church comes and receives. We're reminding ourselves that we are only here through the grace of Christ. But if you're unsure about who Jesus is, can I just invite you to ask him in this moment, say, hey, I see all these people who seem to believe in you, who seem to have a relationship with you so much so that they are doing this kind of weird exercise of eating bread and juice in your name. I don't understand that. Would you just confess that to God? I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why, but trust I believe that he brought you here for a purpose. And so would you just ask him to to reveal something to you now as we receive from the table? You're here for a reason. Let God speak to you. Tear down, ask him to tear down whatever walls might be surrounding your heart that have prevented you from hearing from him in the past. So let's seek God together as we receive from him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the table where we can remember what you have purchased for us through your shed blood, your broken body. So grateful for the gift of the cross. We worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m., and we look forward to meeting you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God, the good of the city, and the hope of the world.